It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning, taking your calls at 801 575 8255. You can text us 57500. Ton, next listener, says they're wondering how to get rid of ground wasps. They've said they've tried boiling water and some types of bug sprays. It's hard. And the question I would have them ask themselves is are they a problem somehow or you know, are they stinging or your know, little kids going out and is somebody allergic and if you can tolerate them but short of just opening up every nest and spraying into it or boiling you know pouring the boiling water over the top that's all I would really know to do now I there are solitary ground uh, wasps that will overwinter and you'll see a little mound when they come out of their cocoon or their mm-hmm. nest. And you'll just see this little, it looks like a little volcano, but you can have dozens of them in a yard. But there's also ground dwelling wasps that form uh, underground nests so that you'll be hundreds of them. And on those you'd go out in the evening once they're in there and stand back, you're wearing long sleeve clothing and, covered as you can but in the evening they will stop flying and you spray a wasp killer standing from several feet away into the nest um sometimes it takes an exterminator but that's what i what you can do all right eva is on the line in spanish fork good morning eva what was your question hi we planted a fruitless mulberry tree about three years ago it was about eight feet tall and looked good, and it did last year. But this year, the top part did not leaf out. And now it looks like the first, like, three feet are just dead. But then the bottom is fine and looks good and is leafed out. And I wondered if we should just cut that off or if we need to wait or how, while we should treat it. Well, I, you're the fourth or fifth call in the show today with people with this sort of problem. And it was last year's weather, most likely going from the hundreds to below freezing within a period of 30 days. Mulberries take a long time to go dormant and in warmer climates, they're at least semi evergreen. You know, they won't lose their leaves until December, you know, and then relief right. sometime in March. And so if you take a knife and scratch the bark, where it's not leafing out and that is brown underneath, just prune those branches out. Okay. And I could do that right now. You can. Yes. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for your call this morning. Uh, staying on the mulberry here for a minute, Tom. Next listener wants to know what causes the fruitless mulberry branches uh, when cut to ooze a foul odor. That would be probably slime flux or bacterial wet wood. It's the same condition. Hmm. And so when they make those pruning cuts, they're probably going to want to sterilize the wound with a little bit of 
Lysol just to see if they can kill whatever's on there. But uh, oftentimes it isn't deadly to the tree. It's just more of a nuisance. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I I would suspect bacterial wetwood. Okay. Next listener says um, they have a sprinkler system, but they've looked at getting a moisture sensor and putting it in the soil and letting the system run off that kind of data. Have you ever had seen anything that people had any luck with those kinds of products? Moisture Absolutely. Um, There's several companies that make these smart controllers. We have one locally. The... uh, Oh, what's the company up in North Salt Lake? Orbit, but they have a division that makes the beehive controller, and there's others out there. And you have to play with them a little bit because they're using a lot of data to try to de- predict how much to water in your yard. And invariably, they're maybe a little bit off. You know, they're not putting out quite enough water, but it's easy to go in on an app on your phone and just say, hey, increase the run times by 20% over what your predictions are, and it's great. And so they do work quite well. Uh, next person says, when should they plant choke cherries and how? Oh, they can plant them any time. And if you're just buying them from the garden center, just put them in the ground about as deep as the soil in the pot. Uh, next listener says that they have a two-year-old maple that's doing great, but they want to know if there's anything they need to do to prevent it from yellowing like the others in their neighborhood. Uh, it depends on the species. Some maples aren't really prone to that, and others are very prone. Mm. And so they're going to want to probably start preventative applications of iron in the spring mm-hmm. where they're putting down like Miller Farrah Plus and just putting down the recommended rate. But if we knew the species, I would be a little bit better able to help. Uh, next person says, can you eat plums from a thundercloud plum tree? Yeah, you can. You can process them and turn them into fruit leathers and things. I My grandpa had one. And off the tree, they didn't taste as good, but they were still okay as some other plums. But he would turn them into jellies and things, and they worked wonderfully. You know, we, those jellies have so much sugar in them that... It sometimes doesn't okay. matter, but mm. yeah, you can use them and they're edible and they're eaten all over the world. All right. Diane and Sandy is wondering if you have an opinion about the effectiveness of a hula or stirrup hoe in weed removal in extended areas of tree beds. I've never tried them to know either way. I've so I can't really say. I, the hula hoe, I, you see it advertised once in a while. Mm. And they're probably going to be as effective as other things, but I've just never personally used them. Next listener says the city came by and cut back trees for road construction. Basically, they say that they cut the tree in half from top to bottom. What can they do to help the tree survive? Do they try to cut it all back? So what's going on with they it didn't again? They cut the trunk. Apparently, the city came by. They're doing some road work, so they cut back their tree. But they say that they cut the tree in half from top to the bottom. Um, they're wondering what they can do to help the tree survive. Do they cut, try to cut it all back? That's a tough one. Hopefully they just didn't go in and scalp half the tree. No, that's what it sounds like. They should have. If the arborist, and if I'm getting the situation correctly, they should have used what was called a V cut to where they take a V, a wedge shape out of the middle of the tree. Mm -hmm. That may be what. And that's a lot healthier. All it's going to be a problem because they're going to start getting a lot of witch's brooms and weakly uh, jointed growth. You know, the branch angles are weak on that side of the tree. And so I would, I would not cut the whole thing back 
because that would make the situation a lot worse. So what do you do? Just let it grow back and just selectively prune the best you can. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, next person says, do you have a recommended percentage of fertilizer mix per chemical to use on a lawn in Bountiful with sandy and clay soil? Also, is there anything that they can use on ivy in the lawn? Short of just telling them to follow the instructions on the label, I can't tell them any different. There isn't a magic percentage. Just follow the label. And then for the ivy, I would spray this fall with a product like Q4 Plus or Speed Zone or Weed Free Zone. But it needs to be below 80 degrees when you use those. And so sometime mid to late September. Uh, next listener would like to know, how often could you use grass clippings for mulch in your garden? Don't want to put them in there every week, right? I, I mean, as long how as deep you can have bare three inches. Okay. And as long as you have bare soil, you can use them. You just don't want to use clippings that you've recently sprayed with lawn weed killer. Okay, we're going to take a break. Coming back with more of your questions and your calls. You can call us right now. The phone lines are open at 801-575-8255. Or you can text at 57500. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you taking your calls at 801-575-8255, or you can text us at 57500. Next listener, Ton, wants to know, with the hot temperatures, is it beneficial to put shade canopies canopies over fruit and vegetable plants? Yes, it is, especially if you can practically do it. I don't know how you do that over a 20 to 25 foot tall tree, Mm -hmm. but if you, in your vegetable garden, I was just at a commercial raspberry and blackberry grower location yesterday, and he had put up. 12, I think 10 foot T posts and driven them into the ground to the height of eight feet. Mm-hmm. And then he, I don't know what kind of cap he used on top of the T posts, but then he just had shade cloth over the top of the berries hanging down and he gets a lot more production and sooner production because it protects the berries from scorching and the cooler temperatures help the plants uh, produce sooner it's becoming very common for commercial tomato, local commercial tomato growers to do that. But you can cover peppers, beans. And with this consistent plus 100 degree weather, I think it's going to become more and more necessary to do. Uh, next listener wants to know, they say they've noticed baby and adult earwigs in their garden. Will it work to save their fruit or fruit trees to spray the trunks with insect killer? Uh, they have ruined the fruit for a couple of years now. I would start with the non-pesticide methods. USU has a couple of earwig fact sheets that give several suggestions on how to control them. Uh, One of the ones that people are using right now that seems to work really well is saving like the old plastic butter dishes, the margin spread, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, Cool Whip and whipped cream and all that, those dishes. And once those are gone, they're washed and they'll put – an inch, you know, maybe a half of an inch or a third of an inch of 
oil and the vegetable oil on the bottom and they'll put a little bit of tuna fish and soy sauce in that oil for a smell and then they'll put a few holes in the top of the dish and the earwigs will fall in and then drown in the oil and those can be quite effective there's sticky traps you can use on the trees that you can make or purchase cardboard traps newspaper traps so i would look into those and if it doesn't seem to be reducing the population, and then I would consider spraying. All right. But download the fact sheets. Daniel is in Riverton. Good morning, Daniel. What was your question? Good morning. I have a question about top dressing my lawn. I'm wondering whether I should use a dirt or a sand, and how deep is the, the deepest I would want to go, and then what's the best time of year for that? Well, the spring or fall would be the best time. And if you're wanting to wanting to apply something to level it out, I've been seeing a lot of videos lately of some local businesses, and I don't know who they are, that will go in and they will not aerate but use a power rake on the lawn to get rid of as much thatch as they can, and then they mow it down to about a, you know three-quarters of an inch. And then they spread some sand and they have some specialized machinery that will level it, almost like laser level it. And then they let the grass grow up through. Now, that's not the recommendations of USU because that sand's a bit deep, but apparently the lawn's been recovering. But USU recommends a quarter inch at a time and then you do it monthly through the summer. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I had one other question, if that's okay. Yeah, go right ahead. Great. Thank you. Um, I'm just wondering about, oh, sorry, I slipped my mind. Oh, you're wondering about water pressure on secondary water. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Secondary water from Riverton. The pressure is good through the start of the year, and then it drops really low, and I lose a lot of coverage for my sprinklers. And I'm just wondering if that's uh, consistent, if, if that's something on my end, or if I just need to adapt no, and, I think that water sources. happens to everyone. At the beginning of the season, I'll have up to 100 PSI. And right now I'm betting I have 40 or 50. And it just happens as more people start to irrigate. You could talk to a local irrigation store to see if there's any way you could boost that. I know that sometimes you can swap the heads out for low-pressure heads that you run the system longer but it's the same result, and they will throw the water farther. But instead of running a half hour, you might go for an hour or an hour and a half per zone. So those are some things that you could look into. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for your call this morning. Next listener, Tom, lives in Farmington. They've never seen their roses so glorious as they've been this year. Uh, problem is now that these are tea roses, and they're huge, high and wide, and they can't even get between them in order to prune them. They want to know what happened and what they, what should they do now? We've had really nice roses this year. You know, we sit here and talk about all the doom and gloom in the trees, mm-hmm. but the roses seem They're to very be happy. great this year. So it just it might just be the year the cool spring really encouraged a lot of blossoms. Roses are at their happiest below 85 degrees. And so we had a lot of time before we got hot Mm -hmm. for them to do that. Uh, At this point, I would just prune them in, in the spring of next year. They could take a few of the canes out, the worst offending ones, but I wouldn't take more than 10 or 20% of the canopy of the rose out in the summer. 
All right. Next listener says, how do I get rid of elm bugs? They're taking over the outside of my house. Download USU's fact sheet about them, but short of cutting down elm trees in the neighborhood, there's really no good way, and it's more shielding your home through sealing up the foundation and window seals, also looking at door sweeps and things, vacuum them up if they get into your house, and then you may need, if they're getting on the side of the house, you may need to do some strategic spraying. Barb in South Jordan has a 17-year-old almond tree. Uh, she says the the trunk is black and peeling, sap on the lower trunk and, and in the almonds. Can you recommend something or is it too late to save it? Look up Cytospora canker and C-Y-T-O-S-P-O-R-A. I suspect that's causing the problem. And once it's in the tree... There's not really much you can do to get it out. Okay. Next listener says that we just talked about shading tomatoes and other garden plants. Um, they say the plants always say that they need full sun. So how do they know when to shade them and for how long? We have excessive sunlight here as compared to a lot of the areas of the country. Ah. And so you can use up to like a 30 or 30% shade, maybe even 40, and the plants will do just fine under it. There's still enough sunlight penetrating through that they're okay. Uh, we've just talked about putting grass clippings down as mulch, and this person says they're worried because their husband did spray weed killer at the first of the season uh, Is it okay? and, and put fertilizer on the lawn, so is it okay to use those clippings in the vegetable Generally, garden Generally, yes, but they would need to look at the particular product he used and read the label. Okay, so first of the season for the spring of weeds, that would be a long time ago, right? It would, but some of our weed killers, especially those containing quinclorac, may have a two-month wait. Oh. So you really need to refer back to the label. I wanted to mention really quickly, Dave said that he's had problems with ground wasps mm-hmm. with a big nest and he covers them with grass clippings three or four inches pretty wide, you know, three or four feet wide, and the wasps can't get in or out of the nest. And that generally over a week or two gets rid of them. All right. Tom, that's it for us for this week. Have a great weekend. You too. You have any big plans out in the yard? Uh, mowing and just yeah. trying to keep things watered trying enough. To keep My those garden. weeds down. Yes. And we did talk about weeds this morning. If you want to know more about weed management, you can find out more on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. Have a great weekend. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.